Hi, and welcome to the Seven Elements of Wellness podcast. I'm Trisha Marcus. And I'm Lacey Wall, aka L-Dub. We are the creators of the Seven Elements of Wellness lifestyle routine, dedicated to helping you feel good more than you don't. The Seven Elements of Wellness are spiritual, mental, emotional, relational, nutritional, physical, and financial. And what we found is that we're all living these elements. It's how much attention are we giving each one. Because where your attention goes, your energy flows. When you combine them all and they flow together, it's powerful. This is personal development combined with an overall wellness program. After over 15 years spent on our own health and wellness journey and trying countless practices and modalities, we discovered it's not woo-woo, it's wellness. Woo-woo. Each one of us is on our own path, and what resonates with one might not resonate with another. The purpose of this podcast is to save you time, money, and energy by bringing you the knowledge and the tools that can help empower you and meet you where you're at. It's really a journey of self-love, a foundation to help you be the best version of yourself and let go of the version of you that tells you you're not. Learning to get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable and just be. Let's go. Let's see how many days in a row we can flow. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Courtney Stoll. I'm Trish DeMarcus. I'm Lacey Wall, a.k.a. L-Dub. Woohoo! Yeah, I'm super stoked for this episode, friends. Yeehaw, you guys. Seriously, hold on to your... Hold on to your hats. Hold on to your hats. Today, we are meeting with West Taylor, who is a horse and human behaviorist. Yes. He just can translate somehow these universal laws into the most simple principles that anyone can understand. So West is local to us here down in southern Utah. He has a ranch up in northern Utah. Basically, if you could just say his career is he trains wild horses. But there is a twist to what he does with these beautiful animals. And we've all had an experience to work with him through healing through the healing process that he teaches. He teaches life lessons to you through the horse. It's transformational. When you can't see the things in yourself, you can somehow see it in the horse. Mm-hmm. How we met them, so his wife, Cammie Cammy. Taylor, right, came into LDUB. They came back, lived in town, and started coming to LDUB Club and came up and introduced herself and just kind of... We became friends with them and we went to an event at his house and I just remember all of these little epiphanies showing up and changing the way I thought about certain things and I knew that other people had to experience this. And so Lace and I decided to put on a Seven Elements event um, so that other people can experience it and it's just translating and translating and it's been really cool to see just his work grow and expand and the, the people that he touches. I love watching Wes do his thing in his element. Yeah. I love Wes. What I love about Wes is what he's taught me about the relationship with myself and with others. Come from someone who has, you know, the nervous system like I do with the fight or flight responses. That's basically what he he's shown me about how to how to regulate your nervous system and what it really means in, in such a simple way. Like Trish said, like that's what it is. It's learning about the nervous system in a very simple way. And what I love about um, West is the lessons that is learned like from himself like it's from a very real place and the accountability and the way that you can really learn about yourself and his story is so inspiring this interview touched my heart so much because we really get to the depths of how hard life can be when it throws you those curveballs and he's been at the depths he's walked the walk yeah with a family, mm-hmm. you know, and and coming out of that and following his divine inspiration and literally just surrendering to that and 
the beautiful path, career path and life of his family that he has created and how he is sharing and inspiring others to do the same. Lace and I, we put his name in for a TED Talk and he got it. And we're so freaking excited for him to be able to just have a bigger platform and to reach more people through that. Let's get into it with West Taylor. Yeehaw! West Taylor, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Yes, so great to be with you again. Yes, again, because I recently got to meet you at one of your events and I really want to talk about that. We're going we're gonna to jump into that in just a minute. But first, you are a horse and human behaviorist. Yes. So intriguing to me what that means. Tell us a little bit about your background and your story and how you how you came to be that. How do, yes. How do we get to how do we get to where we are now? Right. Yes. That is that is our story. Yeah. Gosh, it's it's a deep story, one with with a lot of depth. But I've been on a journey as I'm kind of learning through life here. But I've previously, I was in the kind of the information technology sector. So I was a communications contractor is what my business was. So I was the guy that put in all the fiber optic lines or the, the satellite TV dishes and, you know, made the phones ring and the cable TV system work at apartment buildings or hotels or big commercial buildings. Like I was the, the guy that made all that stuff work. So that was my, my world for like 20 years. I was, had my own business doing that. And I I loved it. I loved being in technology because it was technology was moving so fast in the last twenty years. You know, things were moving fast. Yeah. I really liked being on that front edge, like just in the space that nobody really knew how the internet worked, but everybody knew they wanted the internet. And it was so fun for me to be in the technology sector through that growth of the internet. So that was I really loved it, but I also it it owned me. Mm. It was a space that I was on call twenty four hours. You know, I didn't have good management for me with with my business. My business absolutely owned me. I didn't own it. And over time, after 20 years of that, it it really wore on me. And uh, unbeknownst to myself at the time, but I kind of self-imploded my business in 2008. I, I just had all of my eggs in one basket, so to speak. And when the housing market and the financial cleansing that, that a lot of us got to have in, in the 08, 09 period, I was very heavily leveraged on credit and terms with with different builders and developers here in the southern Utah area with my business and uh, anyway it it all got it all got washed up in about a 30 day window i went from my life is phenomenal i'm loving everything that's going on except my business owned me but in a 30 day period i went from that to i have zero income i have zero possibilities in my, you know, my near future i don't even know what it looks like we just i lost everything wow business the house all the toys all the, the, the RVs, you know, all the fun things that we, we kind of get and have that we enjoy, but we also were trying, I was trying to keep up with the Joneses attitude in a sense, you know, I yeah. had the right house in the right neighborhood and the right job titles and I volunteered at all the right organizations and I mean, I was busy 24-7 doing all the right things. Mm-hmm. Man, I just didn't know how, how heavy that was until I lost it all. And, and and it all went away in that in that month of September in in 2008. And uh, at the time, I was married. Well, I'm still married to my wife, so we're, <laughs> we're still married. Uh, but you know, I remember standing in our driveway and her and I together, and I was just kind of holding her hand. And you know, I'd borrowed a truck to move our stuff out of the house. I'd borrowed a trailer to move the stuff out of the house. We had sold things at a yard sale. The repo man got his share of things. You know, it, my my life was just getting picked apart, just mm-hmm. literally just picked apart, and and. I remember standing there in the driveway and I was like, gosh, baby, 25 years I've been going for it in business. I've been, 
I've been trying to find happiness and joy and success and, you know, all these things that I thought that I was wanting, I was trying to find with money. Mm. That was my mentality. Mm -hmm. I was trying to find it with money. And uh, anyway, the money went away, all the stuff went away, and I was left pretty, pretty naked emotionally. Yeah. I didn't know, who am I? All, all my stuff is gone. So I, and I was so attached to all of my stuff. Like that was my identity. Yeah. And anyway, that all kind of got taken away and uh, I needed a place to regroup and restart. And my grandfather had just recently passed away in uh, March of that year. And so the family, you know, his house was available. He was a bachelor uh, on the family ranch that, that he owned and, and he had. And I spent all my time as a kid at his house, at grandpa's house. Mm-hmm. And this house was now available. It was empty. Mm-hmm. And I reached out to my dad and I was like, dad, I, I kind of need a place to regroup. I, I, I don't know. I'm spun out. I'm lost. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't have a place to live. I don't have any money. I don't have a job. Yeah. Uh, and you know, he, he lovingly and graciously is like, well, yeah, let's, let's get you into grandpa's place and let's get you restarted. And that's, that's kind of where I started this journey with horses. Cause I, I, Moved back into my grandpa's little ranch house, and uh, I was lost, really lost. And anyway, that's where I, I found the Mustangs, and that's kind of where I started this this horse journey. Wow. I'm just feeling, my heart is just feeling like the heaviness of that, because I think we've all been in a space where we have that moment, right? The moment of like, who am I? What am I doing? Uh, and you are the provider for your family. You have how many children do four. you have? It, it was it, <laughs> It was horrible. I mean, I've been thinking back of it too, and I just—that was like my worst nightmare. That was like my my man side. My biggest fear was being homeless, being jobless, mm. being penniless. Like that was all of the things that I was the most internally afraid of in life. And now I'm standing in the middle of it, and it's all over me. And I, I, I honest, it it spun me. I mean, I was I was a trainer. I was a mess. I, I was completely lost. Wow. So you had the blessing of your grandpa's ranch. So you were able to relocate your family and move up to this ranch up in and where where is this ranch? It's in, it's in a little town called Fremont, Utah. Okay. And nobody's probably going to know where that is unless you do. If you do, you're super proud. You're like, hell yeah, I know where that is. I know where Fremont <laughs> is. Uh, but it's in Wayne County. So we refer to all of our towns as Wayne County because they're all so small. So we try to like, maybe they know the county. Yeah. So we'll say that. Yeah. But it's it's uh, in kind of southeastern Utah by Richfield, Utah, up in that area, by Fish Lake, Capitol Reef, Torrey. Okay. All around up in that area. Okay. So you moved up to small town, ranch land, Utah with your family. What did that look like for you? Because you were in the state of I'm so lost and I don't know what direction to go. You're on this ranch. I'm imagining it's beautiful out in nature. What did that regrouping look like? Uh, it was it was exhilarating and terrifying all mixed together. Part of me was was really relieved to get out of town, get out of the city, you mm-hmm. know, and and get back to somewhere that I felt was a safe place, which was my grandfather's property. I mean, that was always been my safe place in life. I would always retreat back to my grandpa's and go hang out with him when life was kind of kicking me around. Mm-hmm. And so the the irony to have that property be available for me to live on full time was a blessing for sure. It, it was a safe space that I knew I was okay there. Mm-hmm. But I remember getting there and I, I was talking with my wife again and I was like, honey, I think I want to take five years off and figure these horses out. I want to, what, what does the horse have for me? I, I just feel this draw to be connected to the horse. And I, I remember telling her, I was like, I don't know what I want to do going forward in life, but I know I want it 
It's something to do with horses. I have no idea what, but it's something to do with horses. So I went and adopted a wild Mustang from the BLM, from right off of the range. Like they gather these horses, they're living out in the wild, like the deer and the elk and the antelope, right? And the wild horses are out there. And I adopted one of those horses and brought it home, not knowing what the heck I was going to do, but mm-hmm. I just knew there was something there. I didn't know what, I didn't know how, and I didn't know when, but I just knew there was something there. And I just followed that and I just stuck with that. So I, I brought this horse home and told my wife, says, I'm going to take five years off to figure me out and to figure these horses out. We can't get any lower than where we're at. Mm-hmm. We're already at the bottom. We've, we made a crash landing. The plane has landed. There's, there's no wheels on it. The wings are <laughs> broke off, right? Yeah. We're on the ground. We're in bad shape, but we're okay. And what can it hurt? What can it hurt to take five years off? I just spent 25 years trying to find happiness, and that didn't work. I'll, I'll bet five years on finding me. Let me do that. And I literally did. I, I focused on five years of just me trying to understand me. And it literally took me that long to unwind, to deconstruct all of this facade that I kind of built of who I thought I was based on success and image and social engagements and society and you know beliefs and all of those things that, that I'd built myself on had crumbled. And I realized I didn't have a very good foundation of me. And so I, I, that five years was to find that foundation. Wow. And wow, because I know where you're at now. You are inspiring so many people all over the country. What was it about the horse? What was it about the horse that you were so drawn to? I'm going to take five years off and find myself, but I'm going to go adopt a wild Mustang from the wild. I I, I don't know that many people just go and do that. So (laughs) what was it about that? I'm kind of an extreme guy I'm learning. Like when I When something kind of gets me, like I like to go down the rabbit hole and it it has to be something I'm really connected to or drawn to. So I love your question and thank you for asking this, that this was part of my journey and kind of my discovery of me as as Cammie and I were taking some uh, self-improvement seminars, classes, like I was trying to find help Mm -hmm. uh, to discover who am I. Somebody help me define or figure out what do I do with me because now here I am. And so we were in some self-improvement trainings and one of them was a guided meditation and I remember it just clear as ever. And I, this was my mentality at the point. I was like, guided meditation? Are you kidding me? I have zero interest to sit and stare at a wall and think of nothing. Like, so <laughs> waste of time, right? That <laughs> was just beneath me. Yeah. <laughs> but my wife was, was into it. And she had this draw and this connection. And so I went with her. And we're in this guided meditation. And I, 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 I settled in with it. I'm like, okay, let's, let's do this. And I got really quiet. This is one of the first times in my mind that I really just went internal and was just kind of listening. And during that meditation, I had a very clear message that just resonated in me. I didn't see anything. I didn't hear anything. I, I just somehow this, this message was just in me. And I wrote it down on a piece of paper and, and I nudged my wife and I, I said, read this. What, is, what does this mean? Like I'm in this woo-woo meditation you brought me to. So please decipher this secret <laughs> message because I have no idea what this, what is this? Wow. And what I wrote down was that the Mustangs had a journey for me if I was willing to follow. That was the message. Wow. And I just wrote it down. I hadn't, I didn't know what a Mustang, I didn't really know what wild horses were. It was just a, a, anyway, I wrote that down, that the Mustangs had a journey for me if I was willing to follow with emphasis on follow. I wasn't to lead the Mustangs anywhere. I was to follow them. And that, so that sentence, that phrase, I locked onto that. And for five years, I followed them. Well, I'm still following the Mustangs, but that original five years, that's what kept me from going out and just go and get in a job. Because I tell you, we were hungry. 
there was times that the needle on the gas tank was empty, so we didn't get to leave town. It's mm-hmm. like, nope, we're staying here. We don't have we don't have gas to leave. So wow. And I just stayed following the Mustang over and over and over through that time period. And the Mustangs, looking back now, oh my gosh, they led me to the exact people, the exact mentors, the exact information that I needed. They have just led me piece by piece down this journey for the last 15 years. It's just been phenomenal. Wow. I love this story so, so, so much. And I have I have so many questions. So did you have a background in horses? You said you'd visited your grandpa's ranch. So did you have any experience at all working with a horse? So you said you just went out and got a wild horse. I don't know that many people would know how to load a wild horse onto a trailer, bring it back to a ranch. Did you have experience at all? My, my short answer is going to be no, but I do want to clarify a little bit that when we were in St. George and kind of had all the money and the, the show and the go attitude, I had horses for my kids. Okay. And so I was kind of the, the dad horse guy. Okay. Like, all I knew about horses was that I took green stuff from my pocket and I bought green stuff at the feed store and I put that in the front of the horse and it come right out the back of the horse and I picked <laughs> the green stuff up and put it in the trash can. Like that's what I knew about horses. Okay. But I was just a good horse dad. Because yeah. my daughter wanted horses. She wanted to do high school rodeo. She wanted to do those activities with her friends. And I was like, hey, I got some money. Let's do this. And so, okay. you know, we just did that. But I knew nothing. Okay. Tell me what happened next. I'm just so on the edge of my seat. So you went out, you brought this wild horse home. How did the Mustangs, how did you follow the Mustangs? That's what I want to know. It was, it was difficult because at the time I was really feeling like I was, how do I train this Mustang, right? How do I get this wild animal? How do we build this partnership? How do we build this relationship? How do we get together to where I can take this horse and go out for a ride? You know, how's this going to be possible? Because right now we're in this corral and this pen and this Mustang, she doesn't even dare look at me. And and if I get close, I'm on edge. I'm scared to death. I'm going to get kicked or bit or, you know, I don't know how they're going to react or respond to things. So I'll be honest, we... We struggled. I struggled hard. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was, it was ugly. You know, it was frustrating. It's it just completely frustrating. But I remember, as the more frustrated I got, it kind of forced me into more of a inward look instead of why isn't this working with this horse? I was more like, what am I not understanding? What am I not doing? What am I not getting? I mean, this is a wild horse. Like they are what they are. How do I adapt? How do I make this work? Mm-hmm. And so I, just like everybody else, you know, you YouTube it. YouTube everything. And so mm-hmm. I YouTube, I start looking around and I find some some trainers that have got a few things and it all helped, but none of it was like the, the missing link. Yeah, I didn't find it until a number of years later. So I really struggled. I got hurt. I, mean, I was going to say, I know you got into a really severe accident in this, the first initial years of training these wild horses. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. It, it was a very traumatic, very uh, pivotal point in my life. Uh, but I'm working with a horse. At this point, I'm about, I don't know, five, six, seven years, seven years into this this life. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time, I'm I'm not even allowing anybody to refer to me as a horse trainer. No, I'm just a guy trying to figure horses out. I'm not a horse trainer because a horse trainer to me meant somebody that you know, this was their career and this is what they did and they were really good at it. And I was like, I'm not worthy of that's that's not my title. Mm-hmm. But I had a, a, a guy there in my community and he was like, hey, West, I've, I've seen you with the horses. And he was a local rancher. He's like, I got to go gather cows, you know, this fall. And I've got this 
horse that I picked up and I just need you to put a few rides on her, make sure things are going to be okay, you know, because I got to go do my cowboy thing. And and I was like, sure. Wow. It was honoring. I was like, gosh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll come get her. Sure. And so I, I go and pick this horse up and bring it back to the ranch. So to shorten the story up, this horse had some very traumatic PTSD triggers that I didn't know about at the time. I don't think anybody, it, it was kind of a new thing. So I, anyway, I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm riding this horse in the round pen and I asked my wife to, I was like, hey, come and come and take some pictures. You know, we'll send them to to the owner. He can see the progress of what's going on with this horse. It'll be great. And and uh, and it's always helpful in case something goes wrong. There's somebody there to do yeah. something, you yeah. know, but I hadn't enough experience to really know what could go wrong. Anyway, I ended up, this horse got uh, triggered into her trauma and she had a, a, a trauma reaction that was very violent. And I got caught up in the middle of that unbeknownst, uh, you know, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. She didn't know what was going to happen. It just, it happened. And I ended up taking a severe force impact to the left side of my face from the back of her head. Mm. And it totally just shattered the left side of my face. Like underneath my eye is, is all metal. I've got pins holding my top part of my palate of teeth to my skull. They were, it was all severed and broke loose, cracked my skull up by my left eye, knocked my left eye somewhere back in space in my head totally demolished my nose. I mean, I was a mess. Wow. It was all internal. You know, nothing broke on the outside. There was no cuts or anything, but everything internal was just banged up, smashed. And uh, it took a few ambulance rides. They called for a helicopter, but they couldn't get a helicopter. It was just, okay, get this guy headed to a trauma center. Wow. We'll see what we can do. And uh, anyway, I got to the trauma center in, in Provo, Utah. They put me back together, did a phenomenal job. Laying there in the in the ICU, though, here's the pivotal moment for me. I'm laying in the ICU, all this hospital equipment, you know, beeping. It's dark. It's quiet. It's whatever, two, three, four in the morning sometime when you're, you're all alone. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm just there myself. And, you know, I can hear the nurses walking around and a little whispering and quiet. And I'm just laying there going, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. What are you doing with your life, dude? You just about died. I don't think you should do this. I don't think you're any good at this. You know, all of these stories just started ramping up about you should go back to technology. I mean, fiber optics never killed you. You know, somebody's right. satellite TV never put you in a hospital. You should you should take a look at things. I remember laying there and I, I remembered that message that I got in that meditation. Follow the Mustangs. Yeah. And I was like, this is this is it. This is my time to decide. Am I in or am I out? And then I got another really clear, I've only had these really clear moments a few times in my life where just this message just burns into me and I can't deny it. But laying there in the hospital at another opportunity that that happened again. And the message that I got was, first, I had to make a decision. Are you in or out? It was very clear. You have to make a decision. This cannot go unanswered. Mm -hmm. And then dependent on your decision, here's the other message that I got was the story that you tell about this experience will forever impact your life. Didn't tell me what story to tell, just said the story you tell will impact you the rest of your life. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so you chose in. I chose in. I did. I (laughs) laid there and I was like, oh my gosh, this is even scary again. I've got to make another hard life decision. Ah, But it was easy. I was like, I'm in. I'm in. I'm doing this. This is who I am. I am building me. I'm not going to build business. I'm not going to build money. I'm building me. This is me. I am this. I am something with these horses. I am something. I didn't know what, though, but I'm just like, there's something. 
I'm sticking with it. Yes, this is hard. Yes, this happened. I'm in. Yeah. And then I had to tell a story because that was the other part was like the story you tell will impact your life. The story you tell about this incident. About this incident. Right. Yes. So I don't know that many of us have been in a moment, pivotal moment like that, laying in ICU in the hospital. But I do know about stories we tell. And you've taught me that. You could easily have gone into victim blaming and this horse was out of control and I was doing everything right. and Not my fault. And it, it almost killed me. That's not the story you told. That's not the story I told. Okay. So what was the story you told and how is it impacting your life now in your career? Because it's just beautiful. It's And as I'm looking back now, Courtney, just sitting here, just you, know, you asking me that question and just for me remembering back, I can see just how pivotal this story really was. At yeah. the time, I didn't really know. I just knew I had to tell a story. Mm -hmm. uh, we all do. You know, this is how we, this is how us humans survive. We tell stories. That's just, that's how we operate. Right. So I'm laying there needing to formulate this story. And so this is, this is the story that I told myself that if I wanted to continue this journey, working with horses, that I wanted to really get into this. Like if I wanted to get the behind the scenes, you know, the backstage, the under the radar access, like if I really wanted to know how this worked, I would need to make some very serious changes in my brain. I would need to change how I think. I'd need to change how I view the world. I would need to change my emotions. I would need to change my language. I would need to change my behaviors. You know, all of these things, it's like, this has all got to change. And so I'm laying there telling myself, telling myself this story that I can't walk into a doctor's office and say, hey, doctor so-and-so, I would like to be more intuitive. I would like a brain surgery to create me to be more intuitive. <laughs> I would like a brain surgery for me to be softer and more gentle with, with people, softer and gentle with myself, softer and gentle with my beliefs. I, I didn't know where I was going to go find a doctor that would be like, oh, great. We can fit you in, you know, tomorrow at noon. Let's get this done. Yeah. You'll, you'll love it. Yeah. You Just know? pop a pill. Yeah. Give me the surgery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was going through their story and I was like, that's, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And so here's what can happen. So this is the story. I needed that operation. That's what I told myself. I need this operation for me to be who I'm to be going forward in time. This operation needs to happen. Man can't provide this operation, but the horse can. Mm. So I labeled what happened as my brain surgery performed by a horse that took me within millimeters of me losing my life. But only the horse could take me there. Only the horse could perform such an operation and have me come out with this new insight, this new awareness or softness or quietness or this softer part of me. Because I was, I was kind of rough and tough cowboy guy. I'll be honest. I was, I was that guy. You know, I was the hammer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that was how I got a lot of things done. And so anyway, the, the horse performed that operation. And so I'm laying there in the hospital bed recovering from my brain surgery. And I was looking forward and excited to my recovery and getting back into my life. That was the story I told myself. That yeah. was eight years ago. And so what you have now done is taken that story. You still train wild horses. Yes. And this is my understanding and my experience of what I've learned from you and, and seen that you do. You still train wild horses. Absolutely. That's, that's your passion. That's your career. But you've taken it a step further and really taught others how to create 
their stories or to recreate their stories. Is that that accurate? Tell us what you do because I don't really know how to explain what you do, but it is phenomenal. It is taking an example of a wild horse that you show to your clients, to an audience. You show the wild horse and then you are able to allow the human experience to mirror that and to connect with the horse And to compare that to the human experience of trauma, whoa. Yeah. For me, it was, and I brought my husband with me to your event, and he is just kind of opening up his heart and his mind to a lot of this guru stuff. Yeah. It's a a scary journey. I can relate. Yeah. But the horse and connecting with the horse and visually seeing how you interact with the horse and how you share your experience about changing your story was probably one of the most impactful things that I've ever had with my husband sitting there right next to me, where we've been quite divided in our journeys. It was so powerful for me. So where yeah. do you want to go from how here? I'm going to, yeah. Let's, let's start with the how. Yeah. How did this come about or how did this happen? So me working with the wild horses after a number of years, I was really like, how is this horse able to go through such a massive transformation? I mean, this horse lived out in the wild. Yeah. Its entire survival is based on fear-driven instincts. Mm-hmm. That's that's how it survives. There's no cognitive evaluating and slowing down and let's just let's see what really happens. That doesn't happen in nature. It's it's quick and it's sharp. You react, you react fast. That's mm-hmm. how you stay alive. Yeah. And everything's based off of fear and survival. So for this wild horse to go from that reality to come into you know my training center to come to me in my space. And now for me to figure out a way to walk this horse from that space, that energy, all the way through to where that horse can be so calm and so confident in the chaos that it's now in living with humans. And so an example that I use is that I can take that wild horse from that experience of wild through training and through down regulation, just through understanding how the horse operates and the neurochemistry of it. I can then take that same horse and I could literally take that horse and go shopping in Walmart. I mean that. I mean, that's like I could ride that horse in Walmart and go ride the aisles and say hi to everybody. And that horse could just stay managed in his autonomic system, stay calm, stay quiet in the chaos and just stay relaxed and moving forward, doing whatever we're doing. Wow. I was like, how is that possible? Yeah. How is that possible? How is that possible? Wow. Well, it took me five years to really dive in and find that out. But since how I was at the ranch and didn't have a lot else to do. And over this 15 years, I just dove in. I was like, well, show me. How does this work? Yeah. Let me follow the Mustang. I'm following. Show me. They did. They they led me to some key people. One of them was uh, Dr. Stephen Peters. He's one of my mentors, neuroscientist, human neuroscientist. So he understands human neurochemistry, the the human brain, the functionality, all of the connections. And so he started to share with me because he loved horses too. And he really took his resources into horses and understanding their brains. So I, I would glean as much information as I could from him. So any of my neuroscience talk comes from from Dr. Steve Peters and his research. But that that took me on the journey of how is this possible? So the horse kind of showed me there's this this process, this, this way of, of doing this. And it's by having kind of intense experiences and then calming, slowing ourselves down, relaxing in that tense spot allowing our body to relax, allowing our neurochemistry to return back from fight flight, the cortisol and the adrenaline to come back to a homeostasis, come back to a space of internal safety, dopamine and serotonin, this parasympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. That transition is the magic sauce. 
If you can make that transition or having somebody kind of coach you and, and lead you through that transition, that's where we make changes is under pressure. It's not by avoiding pressure. It's in the pressure. That's where change is made. And so the horses really showed me this. I, I had got all these wild horses to, to work through this, and they just kept showing me and showing me, hey, slow down, West, slow down, West, slower, West, slower. We need to recover. We need to have this neurochemical reset. And so then I got a plan. Like, well, if the horse can do this, I've got to be able to do this. Yeah. If this is possible in a wild animal, it's got to be possible in us humans. It has to be. Yeah. And so I searched out to find that in me. And then I started just kind of putting myself and Cammie, my, my lovely wife, I put her and I through my own horse training. Like, well, if this works for the horses, it's got to work for us. And so we've been this last five years really just putting this under pressure and proving it to ourselves. And there's a flow here and it, it, it's so beautiful. It just matches so wonderfully. I, I love what you're saying because you talk about pressure. I think when we think of pressure, for me, when I think of pressure, I think fast, I think push you through it. The way that you do it is to enforce that pressure, but be very patient through Absolutely. the pressure. So the event that I went to where we watched you do this with a horse, you had a wild horse in an arena and yep. you were in the middle yep. and you had set up several barriers, kind of like a obstacle course yeah. for this horse to get through. I, I remember you just brought the horse out and said, just go for it. And, and the horse just literally really turned around at the top and was like, uh-uh, no way, and, and jetted back to the back of the arena. So can you tell us a little bit about what does that look like? How do you put pressure on but stay patient in order to get the horse to where you want it to go? That's it. Exactly. <laughs> How do we do that? Yeah. Um, with the horse, so what you saw me doing with the horse, the horse was very tuned into my body language and kind of my presentation of how I'm standing. So that's that's First, the physical pressure, my shoulders, my hips, and my toes. That means everything to the horse and how I'm standing because I'm a predator. It's a prey animal. So it's just looking at me from an instinctive space. And I can put pressure depending on you know how I move my shoulders and my hips and my toes. So that was probably some subtleties that you weren't necessarily seeing. But what I kept asking the horse to do was just, just go take a look at this thing. You know, just go take a look at this obstacle. You don't have to do it. You don't need to even engage with it. I just need you to have the mental thought that you're going to take a look at it. You're just going to be aware. We're just going to put our awareness. I want the horse's awareness to go to the thing, right? We had a barrel set up and a tarp on the ground, and the horse was going to walk across this tarp. Yeah. I would put enough pressure on him that when his attention or his awareness left me and he would look towards or start to engage with the tarp, I would release all pressure saying, hey, you're on the right track. Be attentive to that thing. And I would just pull back and just soften my stance and allow the horse the time to be now with the thing. Mm -hmm. And so then I'm incorporating that into my life. Like, okay, what is that? How do I, how do I do that? Or so when we find these things that are scary in our life or whatever it is that's happening, we don't have to go accomplish it or take it on or tackle it or take it out or, or anything. Let's just move our awareness to it and then just pause, just yeah. slow down right there for a minute and be like, what is this really? Like all of our old stories will be just crunching along like, oh, if you do that, you'll die. If you do that, you'll be embarrassed. Yeah. If you do that, somebody will laugh at you. If you do that, it's, it's out of your comfort zone. You shouldn't do that. You know, yeah. just like the horse. Run Take back off. To, run away. Run, run back. <laughs> run back to that safe spot. But what the horses have shown me is that if we just stay slow and keep our awareness on the thing, whatever that is in our life, whatever the struggle is, just keep some awareness on it and just keep take a little step and then relax. It's in this relaxing, this slowing down is when our neurochemistry in the horse changes. Mm -hmm. The horse is changing from cautious, guarded, to curious, 
and slightly confident. Those are entirely different neurochemicals. So that feels entirely different in the body. When we switch our intent from, oh, no, I'm concerned about this thing to, wow, can I be curious about this thing? That feels different in our body. That's Mm -hmm. different neurochemistry releases. So these horses just taught me how we could change our neurochemicals based on the stories that we tell, the thoughts that we have will change how we feel in the now moment. Yeah. So I just keep slowing that horse down, like, just take a look. Oh, that's good enough. Oh, take another look. Oh, that's good enough. And the horse is just stepping a little closer and a little closer. He's getting more confident. The horse's neurochemistry is changing out of fight flight more into rest, relax, more into confidence. Yeah. And then as you saw, you know, he was able to walk over and touch and check the tarp out and the barrel and you know, he was able to make progress by going slow. Yes, but the key point is that you were his coach. You were there with him every single step of the way. And this is what I noticed because you're a horse trainer and I'm watching you in an arena. You got your cowboy hat on. You're Mr. Cowboy out there. And it would have, to me and what I'm familiar with, it would have been pretty easy, I would think, for you to just get like a little whip and be like, come on, Let's get through it. it. Let's go. Right. Yep. But you were so patient and you were so calm. And I remember that horse just put its foot on the tarp and it like crinkled and it was like, nope. And it just stepped back. And I, I felt it in my heart because I thought, how many times have I done that? I've put myself in a position or I have been somewhat forced or presented with an experience and I put my foot on the tarp and I went, nope, I'm not doing it because I didn't feel supported. I didn't feel safe enough to just put my foot on the tarp and that that would just be okay. So honestly, in my life, I've run across the dumb tarp. Just to get through it, get through it. And then my experience on the other side was anxiety. I'm never doing that again, but I did it. So check the box, right? So talk a little bit about that because that was probably the most profound thing for me. The difference between forcing the horse through the obstacle course just to get it done and breaking it down into those pieces. There was a point where the horse did walk over the tarp and got to the next part and I could see the horse starting to panic because there was another obstacle and I could see the horse like, what do I do? And it was kind of like running and like, you know, kind of in circles. And I remember you were just, it's okay. You're good. Just calm down. Just take a breath and just wait. Absolutely. And I I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I've done it the other way. I mean, I've, I've pushed the horse through that and been like, hey, just get on the tarp and you'll see that you're safe, right? This is our human story. This is how us humans, like, just just do the thing and just see if you like it. You know, it won't be so bad. Just just do the thing, right? That's when we're trying to get our belief onto somebody else and not letting them kind of have their own experience or their own journey to get there. Yeah. And, and when that happens, in the case, I mean, I learned this from the horses, but if I push the horse through and just like, look, you'll be fine when you get to the other side. Watch, I'll show you. Here, go, 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 go. And then we get to the other side. The horse is just like you described, anxious, scared, confused, like that whole experience was kind of a brain off experience. Yeah. <laughs> when we're upregulated, when we're stressed and anxious and worried and we have that, I'm just going to get it. I just got to get through this attitude. We're chemically in a state of mind. We're, we're cortisol and adrenaline. Well, learning doesn't happen with cortisol and adrenaline. Survival Mm. happens with cortisol and adrenaline. Yes. So do we want to survive through life or do we want to learn through life? Yes. Oh, my gosh. And how many of us are just surviving, right? We are surviving just to get to the next day, the next hour, the next meeting, right? Yep. yep. So that the neurochemicals with that cortisol and adrenaline, they all have their purpose. 
But with anything, you know, too much of anything is not a good thing. We need cortisol and adrenaline in our system. Absolutely. You know, we need to have that upregulation when it's time to, to move and do some things. That's what those neurochemicals are for. But when we're chronically in that state, things will break down over time. And this is where sickness comes in because you don't see a whole lot of wild horses with cancer and all of these diseases that us humans have Yeah, because the horse sheds this as quick as possible. They want to let that cortisol and adrenaline go because mother nature has shown that this is not sustainable. You cannot stay highly stressed and highly worried forever and survive. Right. It will break you down. Right. So I kind of observed that and watching with the horses that I could push them through those things, but the learning was, was small. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have to do it over and over and over. And that's typical in the horse industry. You know, you, you drill and you drill and you drill and you drill. And if you do it enough times, then it just becomes the normal. And, and I agree, it does. It takes a lot of time and a lot of energy. And yeah. you can absolutely do that. And many of us live our lives that way. We're just very conditioned to our programming and we just do and do and do and do and the same drill, the same drill, the same drill. Well, what the horses have shown me and science shows too, dopamine is required for learning. So if we're trying to make any type of a behavior change or a lifestyle change or a belief change, whatever that is, we've got to have some dopamine. Dopamine comes in in this relaxing, calm, this pause, the slowing down. That's when the dopamine and the serotonin get released. So dopamine rewards behavior and serotonin balances our emotions. And so with the horses, between fear and safety. Us humans, we have a lot of emotions, but you know we can, we can break them down to fear and safety. That's a common foundation. So taking that horse and going through that same experience that can be stressful and anxiety that we might have to do a hundred times before that horse can like kind of be okay with it. Yeah. Well, what if we did it two times really slow, really calm, and just let your neurochemistry be a, that chemistry of safety? You're, yeah. you're right on when you said safety earlier. When the horse can feel safe and be exploratory and seek out and look for the scary thing, you know, and go touch it and go be curious about it. That neurochemistry starts creating a new neural network. Neurons that fire together, wire together. So just allowing that horse to explore, I'm firing neurons of curiosity loops. So this curiosity feeling starts getting rewarded by the dopamine hit because dopamine rewards the behavior. So now the horse is like, wow, it feels good to be curious. Mm-hmm. What else is out here I can go check out? Mm-hmm. Now the horse wants to step forward. Yeah. That's entirely different than being pushed forward. Exactly. And aren't we more productive and more efficient when we feel safe? Yes. And we're, we're more creative. Our intuition can be activated. We can tune into different feelings and messages. So science has proven to, for us humans that when we're upregulated and in this fight-flight mode, Right off of the bat, we lose 33% of our good decision-making capacity. So many of us are running through our day down a third, right mm-hmm. from when we wake up, on our good decision-making capacity. Wow, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. Getting this horse to where he's engaging in that space all the time, they just become addicted to learning. They want to do more. They want to find kind of my flow whatever I'm asking them to go and do. And they're just like, yes, please, can we load in this horse trailer? I mean, we'll take a wild horse that's never been handled and been asked to get in a horse trailer. And by the time we kind of run them through my down regulation, the science training, I can walk them over to the horse trailer and just suggest to them to get in. And they're like, okay, feel safe. Yeah. Because they're carrying safety on the inside. Because you've taught them that they're safe. I've just shown them that safety is inside of them. And there's a big 
difference. There's a wanna... big difference. Yeah. Talk about that because a lot of us are codependent and that's just kind of how we are. We're just codependent people in our relationships and yeah. our marriages and our partnerships. We're very codependent on our coaches, on our partners. And so I love that you just said that because it's a huge difference. You taught them they're safe. No, you. I just showed them that that safety is internal. Yeah. So getting the horse to find that he's safe in this chaotic environment. And that's just an internal feeling. You know, that's an internal awareness. Yeah. But by taking things slow and letting the horse, you know, want to, to, to be curious, to investigate the tarp, yeah. that creates the internal safety because the horse is like, I can check this out. I can deal with this. I'm safe. Yeah. Right now, if I push the horse through, all of that discussion is gone. Now the horse is in survival mode, brain off, and it'll be like, well, hell yeah, I can run across this tarp. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Scared. I can just do it. Anxious. Yeah. I can just do it. I can just go through the motions. Is that what you want? I can just do that. Okay. But I won't be safe. Okay. And I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable here because I remember after your event where I watched this horse in this process, I turned to my husband <laughs> and I said, um, this is kind of like our marriage. And he looked at me and he said, I was kind of thinking that too. Yeah. And we just had this moment. And how many times have we maybe missed the mark in our relationship where I've tried to explain, this is how I feel. And him saying, well, I don't understand why you feel that way. And we're missing it, right? Yeah. And in that moment, because we were able to watch you work with this horse, I said to him, I'm the horse, honey. I'm the horse. <laughs> because my husband is high adrenaline. He's an ice climber, a rock climber. He rides dirt bikes and skis and not just skis down the hill, like ski jumps. And, and he wants me to share that with him. I'm not so good at that kind of stuff. And that's just kind of a surface, you know, there's also the emotional stuff, right? The emotional experiences that we have with it too. But I remember saying that to him, this is, this is me. I am the horse. And so watching you simplify that and break it down into an experience where we are outside of ourselves. I felt so connected to that horse. I was like, I get it. I know what that horse is feeling. Oh, you just, you don't need to go on that tarp. Good job. You know, I just, I was really connecting. So what that taught me was my safety didn't come from my husband. It came from me. And I have that visual in my head now of this horse. So every time I feel some pressure or some force to do something I may not be comfortable with, I, I literally have this visual of that horse slowly walking across the tarp and Wes Taylor saying, good job, you did it. I'm not kidding. I'm serious. <laughs> you didn't die. Right? You didn't that's, die. That's, that's... Right? And then I feel really confident now because it was such a simple uh, visual in my head that I could even actually say to my husband or to anybody, I'm good. I d I'm good right now. Let me just breathe. Yep. I didn't have that before. I just kind of lived my life trying to please everybody else. So is there anything about that that you'd like to touch upon, just re relationships or? First, let me let me just kind of talk why I think it's so connecting for somebody like yourself that you can you, know, you can watch this thing that I'm doing with the horse. And why is it so connecting? How is it that you can just kind of morph right into it and be like, I am the horse. I could see myself as that horse. Wow. Yeah. Like, how is that possible? Because I've asked myself this question in working with the horses. And you know, I've asked, how is it that people resonate with the horse so easily as I've had people around the horses? And this is my thought. This is not science. This is just Wes Taylor, the, the guy talking. But the horse's 
prefrontal cortex is extremely small compared to our humans. So our humans may be like the size of our fist and, you know, the horse is the size of our pinky. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the comparison. That So the ability for that horse to have an ego type connection with a human is like non-existent. Okay. Now as humans, when we interact with each other, right off of the bat, that's kind of typically our, our operation is we're going to have this egoic connection. You know, we're going to shake hands, we're going to agree on our distance, we're going to stay apart, or we're going to hug. You know, this is all like, this is our social negotiations of I'm letting you know how open or how closed I am on on things, or what do we talk about, what we don't talk about. That's all our ego kind of Mm -hmm. checking back and forth. I want her to think this of me, so I'm going to say this. And and then you're thinking, well, I want him to think this. And so my ego, this all happens subconsciously, right? We're not actually having those thoughts, but our subconscious is. Yeah. Well, that subconscious, that ego part doesn't exist in the horse. So when us humans are looking at the horse, and that ego tries to connect, there's nothing there. Mm. And so the ego just has to be like, oh, how about if I just take a back seat for a moment? Because there's no ego to connect with the horse. Mm-hmm. And I th- I think that is just magic. Like that is just, that's touching to the human soul to me. Yeah. It's like pure empathy. It's just this connection, this awareness. It's just like, ah, uh, I can see that I am that horse because our, a lot of our system is the same. Our autonomic systems are exactly the same. Fight, flight, you know, all of that. We, we all have those same instinctive behaviors. So to connect with the horse and to feel that, that's what I feel like it resonates in there. So that's the gift that I see that the horse brings to humanity. I mean, why else would Mother Nature leave this this door open in the horse's system for, for man to enter? Like, yeah. Right? That wasn't left there just because. It wasn't a glitch in nature. Like, mm-hmm. it was there on purpose. It's real. I've accessed it. I've opened that door. I've, I've spent thousands of hours peeking in the closets of the horse's mind of what's in here. How does this work? They're all, all of those doors are there for a reason. And so it's just really shown a space of where we can we can learn from the horse. And when we can start to see our other human relationships more in that perspective, less ego, more soul, mm-hmm. more spirit, that's when we can start to have that empathetic connection with our partners. We can stop relying on them for our safety and we can really start making that individual ourself. You know, when we find our self safety, wow, that's empowering. That's, that's worth finding. That's what I've been finding in me for the last 15 years is this internal sense of safety of self. And the more I find that, the more I'm able to, you know, share and talk and, and feel okay to do that. Because there was a lot of years, Courtney, at the ranch, I didn't talk to people. I mean, I was in isolation for a reason. Yeah. I needed my time out. Well, and you were the horse too. Absolutely. You needed to very slowly go through that process yourself. It was and, painful too. Oh, oh, it was so painful. And that's a Just, lot of years. It was. But it was also very rewarding at the same time. I yeah. mean, I, I put the work in to get those results, but I just kept finding my way forward. Yeah. And what a beautiful, beautiful thing for you to listen, to listen to that message. This is such a gift that you have, that you are changing lives, not only the lives of these beautiful animals, but these beautiful People. humans. Absolutely. <laughs> right? It's, and it's so fun for me to... Like before you all got there, you know, and I, I knew which horse I was going to kind of use and I was kind of hanging out and I was just like, his name is Cuz. And I was just like, Cuz, isn't this cool that we can talk to all these humans today? Yeah. Like this is just kind of my energetic feeling like, I don't know what we're going to say. I don't know what the real message is going to be. I just know that it'll work out. And he's just this sentient wild being that can't do good or can't do bad. He just is, just is there to work with. Mm-hmm. And wow, what a what a beautiful experience he put on for all of us that. He and I could kind of co-facilitate that. Yeah. Yeah, that's 
that's the relationship I want to have with my with my wife. You know, how can how can I have this same feeling that I'm feeling with this horse, just this connectivity, this this internal sense of safety? We're both separate, but yet together we're so much more, but separate we're we're everything. Mm-hmm. That's that's huge. Yeah. That it's kind huge. of like that interdependence. I'm okay on my own. I'm also beautiful and amazing with you. And it's just such a complete feeling. And this is new for Cammy and I to kind of have this safety being separate. We've been together so long. We've been together for 35 years. You know, we often kid each other that we're on our fourth marriage and never been divorced because we've been through so many changes with each other. But we're just kind of now starting to break apart that codependency like you talked about, because that's very real in a relationship and it has value. Mm-hmm. But it also, you know, I want to have my own space I'm standing on and I want to see her standing in her own space. And that's just beautiful. But then together we can stand in that space. That's yeah. that's where we're at now. We're, we're exploring that. That's amazing. That's so beautiful. How do we connect with you? How do we get in touch with you? Whether we want a horse to be worked with or our own human to sure. be worked with. Sure. I'm I'm on social media, Facebook and Instagram, Wes Taylor. Uh, you know, you just search that up. You'll find me. Uh, you can do a Google search. You'll, you'll get to my website. But the website is westtaylor.net. And that's West, like the direction, W-E-S-T. Mm-hmm. That's my first name. So yeah, find out me that way. But really to work with me or to engage or do anything, I've, I prefer one-on-one conversations. So please reach out. And what you'll find is I want to set up a Zoom call. You know, I want to sit down and be face-to-face. I want to have some human interaction. I want to talk and feel and let's see what I'm doing and see what you're doing and see where we want to go together. How can I help? What can we do? Beautiful. I'll, I'll just say too, and I'll, my wife and I, are, we're adding and doing online coaching to where we have this story experience and talking through all of this that we offer in our, our coaching program. So if that's something that, that people are looking for, and that's what I'd want to sit down and talk about. I mean, those are some of the things that we can offer is some one-on-one coaching back and forth, how I can share you know, kind of what science has done and the horse has done and what we could do together. It's just a beautiful way to reach people in a little bit more of a simplistic form and really firing up that need for safety and the understanding. It's such a beautiful new way and a new approach to healing. The, the question of, am I safe? That's that's what I've held with the Mustangs since I've been working with them. I kind of found that, am I safe? That's That's what they're asking constantly. So when we can have that neurochemical feeling of safety, we can do anything. Yeah. Amazing. Watch out. Yeah, watch out. Watch out. Oh, thank you so much. This has been such a beautiful conversation. Thank Love you. It. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Hey, we would love to connect with you. We believe that community and relationships are a vital element. And when you're doing the work, sometimes it can feel lonely. It doesn't have to be. You can join us on our Seven Elements of Wellness private Facebook group. This is a group where you'll get ideas, be able to ask questions, and find the support of a like-minded community. You can also find us on Instagram at Seven Elements of Wellness. This is where you'll find out about upcoming events, look for inspiration, motivational quotes, and a lot of shares. Make sure to check out our website at 7elementsofwellness.com. Here you can learn more about our mission and connect with our sponsors. You can purchase merchandise and get the latest on local and live streamed events. Are you guys down for a challenge? We got you covered. Head over to the website for all your challenge info, purchase a lifestyle kit, or download your free checklist. If you'd like to create your own seven elements of wellness community where you live, reach out to us. We'd love to help you get it started.
The Seven Elements of Wellness podcast is created and produced entirely by volunteers who are passionate about sharing this message and assisting you on your journey to feel good more than you don't. If you would like to contribute to helping us continue to bring amazing content through this podcast and community events, we would love your support. You can find us on Venmo under our business account at Life Integrated. Any donation is so greatly appreciated and we thank you so much. 